When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, August 23rd, recording today's podcast at around 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Why do I tell all of you listeners that? Because, of course, the show must go on just about all of our action on Wednesday in the books. Now, we did have rain wipe away the second set. For Sloane Stevens, though for what it's worth, she is up a set in three love on Mira Andriva. All seven of our other singles quarterfinal spots already decided. So we should be on schedule in Cleveland heading into tomorrow's quarterfinal action. Same script in Winston-Salem, by the way. As of this recording, there's still one match left to finish. Laszlo Jura, Alex Mickelson out on court. I know George just knocked off Michael Moe in what was a really fun three-set match. Again, what I want to do for all of you listeners here today is catch up on everything you might have missed, whether it be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at these events. Of course, we're going to have a championship Saturday, a rare championship Saturday in the pro tennis world as each of these two tournaments want to give all of these players time to get to New York, be ready for the start of the U.S. Open next Monday. So again, U.S. Open content going to be housed on the Great Shot podcast feed. We'll have plenty of preview content over the next four or five days as we prepare for that action to begin. But what I want to do here on this mini break podcast for you all again today is run you through the highlights, offer you my thoughts on everything we saw unfold in the tennis world. Now, I know some of you are itching for that U.S. Open content to begin. Totally understandable, by the way. It's just... You know, it's tough to not, it, it's not my side of things. It's, oh, well, it, it is my side of things. I feel really bad asking a guest, hey, would you stay up till 10.30 p.m. Eastern time for me so we can record a U.S. Open preview podcast? That said, there are some very kind guests who will be willing to join me over the next couple of days. So again, we'll have U.S. Open preview content for you before the start of the year's final major. All that can be housed on the Great Shot podcast feed. Why did I repeat myself there? Not because my brain is broken, but because... I do want to point you to a piece of U.S. Open-related content I did over on our dear friend Gil Gross's YouTube channel. He and I ran through our top 10 contenders for the U.S. Open men's singles title. It's a very fun conversation. It's always a pleasure to chat tennis with my guy, Gil Gross. So if you're looking for an initial conversation to just get the ball rolling, go check out the Gil Gross YouTube channel. I don't feel bad plugging his content because, again, he's part of our Crack Rackets team. He's a near and dear uh, friend and family member to us here. So first U.S. Open conversation is there. More to come on the Great Shot podcast feed. That said, let's lock in Winston-Salem, Cleveland, the focus of this show. Of course, a shout-out, as always, to all of you for tuning in day in, day out. A shout-out, as always, to our dear friends at Tennis Point as well, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. All right, the show goes on. Let's start in Winston-Salem where, again, pretty fun draw with a few... I don't want to say top five storylines heading into the U.S. Open, but there are certainly some prevalent things happening in Winston-Salem that it does feel like could potentially impact how we see things unfold in New York. I think first and foremost in that conversation for me is Sebastian Corda. 
I thought Corder was a top five player in the month of January. Had match points on Djokovic in Adelaide, beat Medvedev in Australia. What was that? I want to say the Australian Open uh, round of 32 beat Hercons the next round before bowing out to Hatchinov and really hasn't been fully healthy since. He had a really disappointing North American hardcourt stretch in the lead-up to this week. First-round loss in Washington, three sets to Shevchenko. Beats Echeverry, but knocked out 7-6 in the third by Vukic. The straight set lost uh, in Canada. The straight set lost to Chorch in Cincinnati. That's not top 10 tennis. That's not top 5 tennis. That's not what we saw from him on hardcourts to start the season. Slowly but surely, though, riding the ship here this week, whether it be his 6-2-6-3 first-round victory over Benjamin Bonzi, or to me the big one was today dealing with the physicality of Marton Fucevic and, you know, ultimately for Korda, 7-6-6-3 victory. He looks fit. He looks healthy. He's scooting around the court a little bit better this week, a little more fluidly. He looked robotic against George. I know he raced out to that three-love opening set lead in Cincinnati, but after that, everything just felt like if it went even slightly off script, that's where he would begin to struggle. Look, Marton Fucevic is just going to inject a dose of physicality in every match that he plays. He tried to do precisely that against Korda. Korda was ready for it. Anytime a slice is in the air, Korda's inside the baseline. He's taking that ball early getting all of his body weight behind it and redirecting that ball oftentimes down the line with success and his ability to change direction at a whim. You know, his technique is flawless. His ability to extend through the ball, magnificent. When he is healthy, he's a guy who often floats in that top 25 club, top 25 in both hold and break percentage. He has all the skills. He's just never, he has the physical profile. He even has a signature win or two now under his belt. He just hasn't had the health. At any point, we haven't seen a healthy 12 months from Sebastian Corda. I was really hoping we would when I predicted he would end the season as the highest-ranked American back in December of 2022. Um, Highest-ranked American in 2023 back in December of 2022. Felt really good after January. Obviously, it's a long road ahead for him, but... Look, it's a much-needed quarterfinal. Yes, he made a semifinal in Queens Club, but he's only made three quarters this year. Australian Open... Queens Club, now here in Winston-Salem. More than anything else, and talking to players this week, talking to smart brains here on the grounds in Cleveland, why are you playing the week before a major? You need confidence. You need matches. Corden needs both of those things, and he's gotten two victories under his belt to kick off the week in Winston-Salem. And again, it's it's an interesting spot. He's 23. He's played enough big events where you start to say, is this a guy where he's so early in his career trajectory that winning a 250 title the week before a major, it's actually more beneficial for him long-term the way we made that argument when he won Parma back in 2021, the week before the French Open. Two years later, it's tough to say because in the context of his injuries, yes. Just playing five healthy matches in a week or four healthy matches in a week a massive development for Corey. It's something he just hasn't been able to do a lot of this season. But he is 23, that which is just crazy to say out loud. He feels like a young 23 in the way Alex Diemenauer feels like a really old 24. Anyways, uh, Corey's he's just striking the ball so confidently, and we all know what his his ceiling can be even in an individual match when healthy. We saw it earlier this season in Australia, so that's certainly piqued my interest, and he has a very winnable match against Richard Gasquet in the quarters. So that will be a fun one to watch. Gasquet, by the way, three-set win over Brandon Nakashima, who I mentioned earlier, got a really impressive three-set win over Arthur Fee, the young Frenchman in round number one. I don't know how Richard Gasquet has done it. 
this season. It, it, this is going to be a short tangent on the 37-year-old, but very quietly, yes, he's 21-22 and 22 overall on the year. He's into his fifth quarterfinal, three at the tour level, two at challengers. Guy's 37 years old, one of the five oldest players in the top 100, still 57 in the world. Just, again, for him, you know, you're trying to get paychecks. The biggest of them certainly come at the slams, but he's he can why not I wonder what would matter more for him a second round paycheck or winning another title at this point of his career I think it might be the latter for Gasquet and again he's put himself in a position to do so shout out to him shout out to another guy I think Yuri Lachetchka's on the other end of quarter where it's like yeah look he'll have more slams in the future but right now for the 21 year old 35 in the world he wins a title this week you're consolidating your spot in the top 40 and with his weapons to get to go have that opportunity to play Paris and you know get into all the European hardcore indoor events maybe even be seated have some advantageous draws at some of them you know Vienna comes to mind a 500 level where still he should be fine Got a tricky three-set win over, again, the still very much informed Dominic Kopfer. He and Vukic, both three-set exits in the round of 16, but no one would want to see those two in the opening draw, uh, opening round, excuse me, of the U.S. Open. For those that forget right now, Dom Kopfer here in 2023, 34-13 overall. He went quarters Atlanta, semis Los Cabos, round of 16, 6-4 in the third, loss to Lachetchka. That's a really good summer. Uh, obviously, of course, on the uh, Vukic side of things, just to recap Atlanta finals for him. He follows that up. Uh, qualifying round of 16 in Canada, wins a match here at Winston-Salem as well uh, before getting knocked out in three by Sebi Baez, who when, has he ever won two hard court ma- uh, two matches in a single ATP-level hard court event before? I can look it up. It's certainly happened fewer than five times. And so, you know, to get to his first hard court quarterfinal at the tour level, yeah, let's find out. In his career, tour-level hard courts, Sebastian Corda has won multiple matches in an event for just the second time in his career. The first one shouldn't even count because it's the next-gen finals. That's crazy. And again, that he has been consistently a top, what, 50 player. He's 42 in the world right now, and he just made his first hardcore quarterfinals. Shows how good he freaking is on the clay. But anyways, he knocks out Vukic in three. He has freaking weapons, by the way. It's so impressive. And then shout-out to Omni Kumar. Put up a good fight, but ultimately knocked out by, uh, gets a, you know, Gets to a round of 16 here. First time for him at the 250 level. Knocked out by Juan Manuel Sarundula, who comes into the week 100 in the world. Going to consolidate his spot after three set wins over Roman Sefilian, as well as Yannick Hanfman. A tough loss for Hanfman there. That was a very winnable match. But again, looking at this draw, Chorch through to the quarterfinals. Now he'll face Sarundolo. Chorch three sets over uh, Michael Moe. Comes back from 5-2 down, I believe, in the second set to earn a straight set victory over Rinki Hichikata yesterday. Neither Moe nor... Well, Hichikata is very aggressive, but neither Moe nor Hichikata have the sort of firepower to really pressure that Chorch forehand, to really test that movement, see how fit he is. If you don't have a weapon to hurt Chorch, you haven't been able to beat him since he was 14 years old. And, you know, again, credit to Michael Moe. You do not want to face Michael Moe three out of five sets opening round of the U.S. Open. Guy is just a monster. He's going to make you work. He is clearly trying to incorporate more aggression into his game. He's coming forward even when it's not successful. And long-term, that's going to bear fruit for a guy who, again, has had a ton of injuries, which isn't shocking given how physically he plays, but... Yeah, I've always been a believer in Michael Moe, and 
I think I might start to be a believer in 25-year-old Max Purcell. How about this? Quarterfinal Cincinnati, what's he followed up with? Six and six upset over Talon Greekspoor into the quarterfinals here in Winston-Salem, further consolidating his top 50 spot, further building on his career-high ranking. Another guy. Like, it's easy to put him on a dark horse list, not to make a you know deep run into the second week, but if he beats a seed, like, is that going to shock you? I don't think it should uh, because the form dictates, you know, again, his aggression, how well he sneaks forward, the sort of pressure he puts on you. He just makes opponents uncomfortable. And that that skill, that game style will always have a place uh, in the ATP Tour. So, again, waiting on the Mickelson result. Let's check Google real quick to see where he is. Alex Mickelson in his battle with Laszlo Jura. Uh, by the way, I would want no part of Alex Mickelson nor Laszlo, given how well he's played. 5-4, Jura serving for the opening set. So, if anything dramatic happens in that one, we'll cover it more voluminously. We'll cover it with more depth uh, on tomorrow's show. Right now, the favorite Borna Choric, according to the Tennis Abstract, singles forecast 36.9%. Lachetchka, 19.7%. Korda, 148 But that's probably because he has Gasquet next. And again, numbers-wise, that would be the tougher opponent for Choric. He has Sarundolo, Baez, Mickelson, and Laszlo Jura. Three guys whose majority of their successes come on clay and an 18-year-old and Alex Mickelson. That's why the numbers think Chorch is the favorite. Again, it's good for he needs wins given the lack of success he has had. Wasn't able, obviously, to defend that Cincinnati title this year. I'm keeping my eyes on Winston Salem. That's a fun group. Again, you have Lachetchka, 21, Korda, 23. Srundelo's not old. He's won an ATP title. Mickelson's 18. If he advances, the prospect of he could knock off Sebi Baez. Now all of a sudden he's made two semifinals in the last six weeks at the tour level and continuing his top 100 push. He has to become in the on the short list of American prospects that become must-watch down the season's home stretch. And certainly with his size, his skill, his aggression, he already is in my mind. It's a fun draw in Winston-Salem. We'll keep you updated on everything that happens there throughout the remainder of the week. Let's move over to the action in Cleveland. And Again, it was a pretty straightforward day of action. Not a not a ton of singles matches on the board. The reason for that, Angelina Kalinina withdrawing from the event due to injury. Obviously, you don't want to push things too much, and she's had some injuries throughout the course of the past few months. So she unfortunately withdraws. Tatiana Maria, who has had two kids, dealt with all sorts of injuries, just Back in the top 50, you know, I think she's 35 years old. I don't want to get that wrong. Let me look real quick. Tatiana Maria. I have it in my notes at, in my NC role. Uh, Tatiana. Tatiana uh, is currently... I didn't fill it out because, of course, I didn't because I, she got a withdrawal today. So why would I have filled out my notes on her? Yeah, she's 35 years old. 36, excuse me. Her slices are fascinating. I asked her about it in my post-match press conference. How do you think it makes opponents uncomfortable? And she's like, look, you just don't see this game style very frequently, and I don't give them anything to work with. Like, you just put a sort of pressure on them that they're not accustomed to, and she's absolutely right. She's just, she's quick. She's strong. She makes you uncomfortable. She fights like hell. A pleasure to watch in person. I watched her first round win. Uh, what was that? Three sets over Gracheva, who hit 15 double faults, just didn't have it that day, but had some sneaky pop for someone who's not the biggest player uh, on the WTA Tour. I enjoyed watching Gracheva in person, but Tatiana Maria is just different. It's just a, a different cut of cloth than 
you're used to seeing out there. And to watch how Layla Fernandez handles that tomorrow. Fernandez, ugh. I know Clara Tossin was ill. She was forced to withdraw. But the first 20 minutes, Layla Fernandez didn't miss a down-the-line shot. And everything was early on the rise. I know I said all of these things on yesterday's show, but ugh. She was even better, and we've already seen her make a final in New York, so I've made that argument before. That's matchup number one. Wang Xinyu, who knocked out Ekaterina Alexandrova at Indian Wells, is going to face her again tomorrow. Alexandrova, straight set winner over Alexandra Sasnovich. First, that was tricky. You know, Sasnovich served for the opening set, but uh, that might not be true. Did she serve for the opening set? I don't remember. It went to a breaker. It was complicated. I think she might have. Who knows? Seven six six three though. Ecat threw in straights. No, that was they. They traded a bunch of breaks. I think that's what it was. Still, just the depth for a Katarina Alexandrova. She gets her paws on the ball. It's going deeper than the service line. It just stays so low on you. By the way, not to move on, but six and three. Alexandra wins. She's through to her fifth quarterfinal of the year. She continues to consolidate her top twenty-five spot. The single most striking thing, and I said this about Stevie Johnson after years of watching him in person, but whenever you watch Sarah Saribas Toro in person, the difference in how effective her backhand slice actually is versus how it looks when presented on camera, it is striking. I mean, that ball made Veronica Kudermatova so angry because it just stays so low. And yeah, you know, again, it rained very hard between the end of Ekaterina Alexandrova's match, the start of uh, Srivets, Tormo, Kudermatova, and that certainly mucked things up. But God, you just can't do anything with it. And then you start to doubt yourself. Then you could tell, like, hands-wise, the racket speed for Kudermatova, she started to let up. She started to get handsy with it, trying to guide the ball instead of just swinging freely. That's the Saripas Tormo effect. She's as quick as any player you're going to find. The tenacity is exceptional. I'm really looking forward to watching her matchup tomorrow, when, whether she faces Sloane Stevens. Oh, she's going to face Sloane Stevens, who's up a set in three love right now, and Mira Andriva. And oh my God, the Andriva servant person. That ball just explodes off her racket. She's fluid as well. But man, Sloane's locked in. And. It was funny because Sloan went up 3-love, I think, way quicker in that opening set than she anticipated. And look, the conditions. It was windy. It was swirly. It was veteran conditions. It's the conditions where, again, you'd rather be the 30-year-old than the 16-year-old, just given how many times you imagine Sloan seen something like that relative to Andreeva playing under the lights, looking to reach her first quarterfinal, packed house in Cleveland. And again, shout-out to Alex Guthrie, Kyle Ross, Ben, Polko, Obviously, Sam Duvall, the entire top-notch management team, butts are in seats every night here in Cleveland. It's a delight. Yeah, I mean, again, it's been really fun to watch. Can't emphasize enough how much I've enjoyed being here in person, getting to see it all courtside. Again, slowing up a set and three love, rain delay, wiping out the second half of that second set. But we have seven of our eight quarterfinalists decided, again, Fernandez versus Tatiana Marina, Alexandrova versus Wang Xinyu, uh, Wang Xinyu, the one head-to-head victory, Caroline Garcia versus Lin Ju, Garcia won own the head-to-head, but they haven't played since 2012, and then it will likely be Saripas Tormo versus Sloane Stephens. That's a good set of freaking quarterfinals. You got a top 10 player, another top 25-er, a, a slam champion and a slam finalist, and the slam semifinalist in Tatiana Maria, if you want to go all the way. 
it's a good group. And then, of course, you have Cleveland favorites, Alan Perez, Nicole Melcar-Martinez, who I got to see yesterday. I hadn't seen them since last year. They're just a joy, absolute joy to be around. And the only thing more enjoyable than being around them is getting to watch them play because it's a fantastic partnership in terms of how well they cover up for what the other doesn't want to be doing. It's not what the other doesn't want to be doing. It's just they, they pair each with each other so well that they both can do precisely what they want to do. That's the best way of phrasing their pairing. And I mean, I've, I've told her this on the podcast that when she joined us, she's four days younger than me, which is something you guys know I always care about. Ellen Perez's hands are ridiculous. Like, just laugh out loud, jaw on the floor. How did you make that high backhand volley short angle like, drive? What? It's it's just special. You know, in tennis, you know it when you see it. I remember, shout out, former Michigan Wolverine, Alex Nigerian. We grew up together, and it was just like, oh, my God. Like, how do you do those things? I mean, Perez is that on steroids. Not actual steroids, but, you know, again, the figurative sense of it's every it's It's the major league version of that, I suppose. It's just... It's really, really good. And so, again, a shout-out to Perez and Milica Martinez. Hopefully they'll join me. Uh, we've had Ellen before. I would love to have Nicole on the pod. She's fa- she's just a wonderful her- – it's a really fun team to be around. Uh, I'm not rooting for them because I remain nonpartisan in my MC role, but Cleveland is certainly rooting for them, uh, and that is always a joy to watch. That said, that's everything here on Wednesday, twenty August 23rd, that I think you all should know about what's going on this week in the pro tennis world. We did have U.S. Open qualifying results. I won't lie. I haven't been able to watch that as closely as I would like. I will have an update on those, though, for you all tomorrow. So we'll play catch up on those then. In the meantime, a shout out, as always, to Westoff. I know no music on this, but it's because he's a busy man. And we keep him busy day in, day out. Makes everything here possible. Shout out to him. Shout out to your friends at Tennis Point as well. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for our super producer, Danny Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what that's. Say uh, what we say. That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.